Welcome to the Dirt Reporters for the week of March 8th. I'm your host, D. Swab, Derek Kessinger. Joining me today is Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. These great editorial guys have been doing great written articles and content all year long. Their whole career, actually, just a matter of fact. Uh, Robert Holman, the storyline of the entire weekend happened at Cherokee, the place your mama warned you about. Apparently, she was warning you to, you know, take... Take cover in the pit area. You were right there, of course. Everybody knows. Everybody saw the big, big stir up and chest bump, as Kovac would say, between Chris, Smokey, Madden, Madden and Brandon Overton. Uh, first and foremost, we've seen the close-up videos. You were like 10 feet away. What was your initial thoughts to that? Because that is definitely the biggest storyline from this past weekend. Uh, well, it's kind of uh, it's kind of odd that I actually did not originally see the the on track incident. So I just uh, from where from my vantage point uh, over uh, in turn three, I just uh, I kind of heard over over you know the speaker that Madden had had a flat tire or whatever, and there was a, a kind of a dust up on the track or whatever. And so here comes Madden off the racetrack. He rolls up there and he doesn't go to his pit area. And mind you, his pit area is not very far away. His pit area is just kind of down the lane and around the left and like third or fourth holler down. So he comes off of, off of uh, the turn one exit right there. And uh, I don't know what I said earlier, what turn, but it's the turn one is where I was in turn one exit. So he comes off the turn one exit and, uh, and stops. And, and I'm like, thinking to myself, you know, why would he stop right there? Because it's not the hot pit, the hot pits in the infield. And once you leave the track, you're done. So he, if he wanted to change his tire and go back out, need to go to the hot pit. So he rolls up there and just comes to a, an abrupt stop. And he's like, you can tell he's like taking his, his gear and stuff off. And I'm like, that's odd. So the next thing I see is, uh, is Overton coming off the, off the exit there and he just rolls up there and stops right by right beside him and i'm like oh hell you know this is this is gonna be this is gonna be good right so uh so they are shouting of course you know it, it, getting in and out of a dirt late model is not the easiest thing to do i know that uh it's probably easier for those guys than it is me because they're a little slimmer uh especially overton a little younger but mind you it is not that easy so they're climbing out of their car and as they're sitting on their ledge you know they're like pointing and yelling at each other and i did not i could not hear a single thing that they said unfortunately uh, i was about 10 or 12 feet away and i was kind of perched up on a about a four foot little ledge there at the fence so no one could block my view i could see it clearly they they get out of their cars and of course they're pointing and they're mad and they're yelling and so Madden walks around, walks around the car, and they're all of a sudden they're just like face to face. And I'm like, and, and they didn't go to their pits, keep that in mind. So there's no one around for a good 30 seconds to a minute or whatever. So they're just it's alone. And so there are a few people, most people would rather roll up there with their phone and video it as opposed to get involved or separate them, whatever. You know, it's they're, they're going to, let it play out and that's what the first few or three or four people on the scene did they grabbed their phones and they're videoing it instead of getting involved and so next thing i know there's contact made you know they they got some chest bumps going there you know they're they're 
you know, it, it looked like a, a WWE situation. If you can imagine, it almost looked scripted, but of course it wasn't, but it looked like a WWE deal where they're like jawing at each other and then they got some chest bumps going. And the next thing I know, I see like Overton, like shove Madden, just kind of takes two hands and pushes him away. And as he's doing that, Madden like swats at him and he misses. And then next thing you know, everybody is there and involved and, and there's a big crowd and the officials are there separating them. and. Uh, that was it. No, no <laughs> blows, really. No, no, no one, no one made contact with fists or anything. No one got down in the dirt and got their suit dirty. Uh, no one was rolling on the ground, at least the drivers. So, uh, so once the officials kind of got there, I was, I was disinterested because nothing else is going to happen. But uh, uh, it was definitely exciting because those two have had their run-ins before. I don't know. I can't remember where they've all been, but like, uh, like Overton told me after the race, they're magnets. It doesn't matter if they were in North Dakota racing, he said. And also keep in mind, it's very funny. And I don't, I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. And I do not want Brandon Overton to change a thing. If he ever, if he listens to this uh, podcast or anyone says anything, I'm not advocating Brandon Over, Overton change anything. Okay, keep that in mind by what I'm about to say. But when Brandon Overton finishes in the top three on the podium at a race that I happen to be working from home covering or whatever or listening or watching, and my wife is in the room, when he goes to his interview, I always say, we all, I always do an over-under on how many cuss words he will say. And I'll, I'll, I pick the number and then my wife says, you know, over under, she says, I think it'll be three or so that's just a game. It's really weird. It's funny, but I'm going to tell you when I went to interview him after this race, the over was way over. I really toned down the story that I wrote because it wasn't just one or two cuss words. He was railing and it was, it's pretty funny. Uh, but you know, for our publication sake, I, trimmed those out uh because they were very colorful uh unfortunately chris madden declined to be interviewed he was sitting inside his trailer when i went to try to talk to him i talked to a crew member and uh i as reporters do i i didn't barge into some people you can walk in their trailer you know whose trailer you can walk in and say hey tyler herb you can walk in his trailer and say hey you know got a minute some people you just it's just different you know you say hey can i can i speak can you get so-and-so or can I speak with so-and-so or where is he at? And so I went to his crew member, they were loading their, they were getting their stuff ready to load up. <clears throat> and I just said, Hey, can you see if Chris, uh, will answer a question or two, if I can, if I can get with Chris. And, uh, I was, you know, just trying to be respectful of his space. And, uh, the crew guy goes in and comes back out and just shakes his head. He says, no, he, he doesn't want to, he's not going to come out. He doesn't want to talk. So I moved on and I did go back by there uh on my way out just to double check and i couldn't find him so unfortunately uh madden i couldn't get madden's comment on the situation but i did get some very colorful ones from uh, colorful quotes from from brandon overton if you can imagine yeah big sexy definitely some uh good stuff there great job robert being on the grounds there and uh, reacting very quickly like a cat during that uh, old uh, melee and shenanigans i was 
I was on it. And most of the time I look at people running, you know, you see a fight and they're running. Robert, I figured maybe to... at one point you didn't see, you wouldn't have saw it at all. And you're like, wait, what just happened? So I'm glad that you were at the right place. Sometimes, right time and got dialed sometimes in. that happens. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> so a lot of times a car will go by and, and like later on, he's like, where's all the crowd going? You know, the crowds run into their pit area, but fortunately Madden stopped right in front of me. And I just had to walk five feet or so down there to that fence. And I had a great, a great view of the whole thing. Uh, even, even Todd is like, Hey, there's something happening between Madden and, and Overton, if you can go over there. And I was like thinking to myself, Hey, I'm at it. I'm there. You know? So one of those, one of those rare times when I was actually at the right place at the right time. And Kovac, what made this one even better is we have a shout out to Logan Sparks on Facebook. He was right in the middle of it with a cell phone video. We've seen some good fights before. We've seen uh, Casey Roberts and Josh Richards in the past. But that one was kind of far away. This guy was up and reporting, had some good angles there. You could hear the cuss words. I'm sure when you watch it for the first time, you had yourself a good chuckle. There's no doubt in my mind Evan Kovac was laughing because he he loves the chest bumps. He loves uh, the cuss words and the language that both guys that both guys use. But, hey, shout out to Logan Sparks getting that uh, great uh, – video angle of the fight yeah no doubt i mean i, I definitely when i saw the the chest bumps there uh, i'm like this is pretty funny look at these two guys you know uh I, I i one of the first things i thought of was like man this is this is going to be a fathead at fairbury at the prairie dirt classic this year there's going to be some sort of i don't know we get you know two sumo wrestlers bumping each other with their heads on there or something but that will be uh that has to be uh a fat head <laughs> because those two were, were pretty, uh, it's pretty, pretty funny seeing them bouncing off of each other. And in, in the, yeah, that, that, that video was really close up. I think, I think we it's hard to like make, I was a lot, there was noise in the background, still cars on the track, obviously with the motors running. Yeah. I, I couldn't, you couldn't hear every word, but maybe, I don't know. Can you, can you do some like, you know, sound work on that Derek and kind of, you know, like they pull out that sound of them. Maybe we can really hear what the they were yelling at each other. We need like the NFL yeah. lip sync guy, you know, like those Facebook. That's videos. right. I mean, I, I, I heard we there that. were curse words. I know there was curse words thrown back and forth, but I couldn't, I couldn't quite hear exactly what they said to each other, which I kind of like to know because I'm kind of, I mean, I don't know about you, Robert, right? But I'm like, I'm kind of confused about why they were so mad at each other. We're like, it was... Because it seemed like obviously Madden had a flat tire. Did did Madden think that that Overton gave him the flat tire? Did they come together before that and over and like Madden thought that that was what cut his tire down and made him go? Did uh, Overton think that Madden went, slid up the track? Because I saw how Overton did say in your comment that Madden was the one that was like really yelling and stuff that started the whole situation. I don't know, but it just seemed weird. Where like maybe. You know, like I can't see Madden just going right up there and taking him out. Like it, it was that was not the what he, he had not had that planned. So I can't see Overton thinking that was planned. And um, but maybe they touched together. We didn't you couldn't quite tell. And it was a flat there. And, and that would cause it. But it just was weird that it got so heated. It wasn't like what, something that I thought that would have got, escalated that quickly. And it was very interesting that it did, you know, and even like even had a. Uh, Overton's crew guy come in there later. Like, yeah, like forty oh, seconds later after it was over, he, he comes shooting in there with his uh, with his uh, 
on his motorbike and he was just surrounded immediately. That probably wasn't the right move to, to go in there in between the two cars and, and try to like, you know, throw some, his two cents in because he was surrounded immediately. I'm surprised they didn't pull him off of that. I think Overton even had to get out of his car again as he was ready to go and come back and kind of help him out. But man, what, it was definitely an interesting situation. Well, good thing. Derek, Derek, we lost our audio. Look, he shut, he shut down. <laughs> well, uh, well, how about Kyle's comments here? Kyle had to have been watching this also. Yeah, I was, what, what, like, what were your thoughts I was, like, on this one? Rolling through Facebook and I saw that, and I'm like, I was kind of confused because, like, I have never really perceived like Brandon Overton and Chris Madden as being the ones to be easily provoked. You know, like so, like. What's like the prior history here? Because honestly, like they they have a have... history. I do not actually. Yeah, they know have a history. There's no they doubt. have a history. They've been racing against each other and racing against each other very hard for many years. They have all yeah. these southern guys really have some sort of history. But they've all Davenport and Overton and Davenport and Madden. They've all had their incidents too. I mean, you run down there and those rubber rubbered up racetrack sometimes you're going to get into it i guess and and i know they've all a lot of them have had it and and madden i mean easily provoked i don't know like i mean he's been calmer i think a little bit you know like over over the last couple of years but man he could you know don't get mad don't get madden mad because he can he gets fired up <laughs> yeah i haven't been around you know chris madden and brandon and brandon all <clears throat> all that long but I was just kind of like intrigued by it, obviously, because it's like, oh, you know, I mean, we have two of our what top four drivers from last year getting into it. And so, I mean, to to have the sports highest profile drivers, you know, get into it. Um, I mean, it's like any other sport, right? Like what if like Tom Brady got into it with Patrick Mahomes or, you know, some some kind of uh, you, you like picture it that way. And it's like, oh, you know, we have two of our biggest names in our sport about the perhaps throw haymakers at each other. Uh, not that it got to that point, but I was watching that video and I'm like, Oh no, you know, <laughs> like something's, something's really about to go down. But um, yeah, no, I mean uh, <laughs> it uh, certainly gets people fired up and um, how's the crowd reaction, Robert? I mean, what, what were people, you know, I think Chris Madden, <laughs> Chris Madden is um, um, he's one of those guys that at, at Cherokee, I think he has as many people that dislike him as like him. Uh, he's just one of those. He's very he's a very polarizing in his own way. He's not polarizing like a Scott Bloomquist, but in his own way, he's I mean, honestly, he's easy to dislike. But at the same time, when you sit and talk to him kind of on a on a personal level, he's very easy to like. You know, it's it's very it's very odd. These two guys are very both very competitive. To be honest, the people that were beside me hated Chris Madden. They were yelling at at screaming at him and cussing, which you couldn't. There's no way they could hear. But like getting Brandon and, you know, like that, you know, just stuff like that. Just your typical stuff. I'm sure if I moved down 20 feet, I would probably have heard people say, get him Chris. You know, uh, it was a very, I think the crowd was kind of split 
between between the two. But uh, it's not like it was a pro Brandon Overton crowd or or anti Brandon Overton crowd. It was just more Chris is just has more of a history in that area and at Cherokee. He's won a bunch of races at Cherokee, and when you win as much as Chris Madden does, people tend to dislike you, and it's just the way it is. Yeah, it was Derek, uh, are you back? overall. Yeah, I think I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. we can hear you now. <laughs> All right, perfect. I think it was just a perfect WWE scenario. We needed this for a March Sunday race. Uh, Chris Madden, he's had some uh, history in the past with a. Uh, Different altercations with people. Brandon Overton, what impressive with him, Kovac. He had his hat on already. He was ready to go. He was fired up. <laughs> he was carrying it around with him, I guess, or what was it? Was that in his pocket? He always his, keeps uh... it in his car, so he's dialed in. He had that yeah. thing ready to go. He he still looks smooth and calm and collected even when he's in a fight. Yeah, well, that's big, sexy, you know. Like, I mean, he just has has a smooth coolness to him. I mean, I've always said that he's got like that. Uh, you know, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. I think we've talked, I've talked about that before. And he's got that little bit, he goes both sides of it there, you know, and uh, he just, he's just cool. And um, yeah, he, he was definitely angry. He's not a guy that, I mean, he, I've seen him. There was a few years ago at, at Volusia. He had an incident with Mark Whitener on the racetrack and Mark Whitener was just fired up. He was going to go down to the Gator Pond and, and go after Matt. I mean, uh, go after Overton and, you know, and, and luckily at that he was so far away that the crowd kind of, I mean, Kyle Bronson pulled Whitener back without, and it was calmed down the situation. But, uh, but Overton, he's always talked about, he's not going to go. He's, he, he, he's relaxed enough where he, he has enough of a mind that he's not going to go crazy and, and try to, you know, throw punches and, and, and use his car as a weapon, that kind of stuff. I mean, he's seen that and he's like, he was like, there's, there's no use and his, and his car owner doesn't want to see that either. But this was just kind of like a natural that just, you know, I mean, again, I'm not sure if who, who said the first things. I mean, I saw him on the racetrack in turn four when they came, let's, uh, came okay. in, let's when they stopped, it looked like they were motioning to each other, right? Well, well, I don't see that's that sucks because I didn't actually see that part. But let's mm -hmm. keep this in mind. Chris Madden could have driven straight to his trailer. He chose right. not to. He pulled up there and mm -hmm. stopped and waited on on him. So I don't know if he like told him to come on and meet me out here or what. Yeah. But but you know and see I didn't see at first that Overton had a flat tire on the left front because he drove. I'm like surely to God Overton didn't just give up his spot just to come out here and talk to Chris Madden. But then mm -hmm. as it turned out when they made contact that's what deflated uh, Overton's tire. You know so so yeah Chris could have just driven straight to his trailer and it and you know. Overton may have driven around there and stopped. I don't know, but because he would have had to probably, he didn't have to drive by it to get to his. He could have gone the other way. So who knows what would have happened there if if Madden had just gone on back to his trailer. But he pulled up there and stopped and was waiting for him. So Madden was yeah. clearly upset. And I don't know if it was like maybe Madden felt like Overton kept crowding him. But Overton, and let me, I'll say this about Brandon Overton too. When I walked into his trailer, and he's one of those guys that, you don't have to ask a, a crew member, hey, can Brandon come? Now, if he's in his truck or something, that's different. But he was standing in his hauler. I think he'd already changed clothes. And he was standing there, like, texting somebody. And I just stepped into his trailer, and he looks up. He's like, hey, Robert. 
It was just that calm. It was like he, we we all know what had just happened. So he looked up and I'm like, he's like, hey, Robert, just like you just won a race. It, it, you know, he was still that that calm demeanor. And I said, hey, you know, I got to ask you a question. You know what? From your perspective, blah blah blah. And so, uh, and, and like I'd written, it, it's just he blamed it primarily not on Chris, but upon, on r- racing in the rubber about two guys trying to find the same spot more than Chris trying to run over him. But I think Brandon was more upset that he felt like that Chris blamed him for the incident. And and Brandon says it wasn't my fault that, that this happened. Uh, I think he was just more upset that Chris Madden put the blame on him. So, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, his demeanor, you're right. Uh, Kevin, his demeanor is very, is very calm. He was just leaning up against his counter, you know, just, and there was one guy in there yeah. talking to him and I walked up, you know, and he's looked at me, he's like, Hey Robert. And we just started chatting. And the other guy, you know, it's, it's, uh, you kind of wish you don't want everybody to be a clone like that, but of Brandon Overton, but you wish more people were like that, where you could just have an open conversation and go on about your business. You know, it would make, definitely would make our jobs easier. And, and like, you wish you'd just gotten something from Chris Madden just for his perspective. So we could put the what ifs or, or the ifs, ands and buts to rest. What, why were you so, and that's what I wanted to know is why were you so upset? You know, I didn't want to know anything beyond that, you know? And, uh, but I, you know, again, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. So, uh, so that kind of sucks, but, uh, but you always hope that, you know, and, and, you know, all of you guys know when incidents like this happen, usually we don't want to talk to those people. We don't enjoy, we don't enjoy getting in their space when shit like this happens. It's just not, to me, it's not a fun part of the job for me, but it is still part of the job and it is our job to go try to get a reaction and not 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 make a reaction, but just try, try to go get their reaction, try to go get, find out the reasons behind stuff. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, Chris wouldn't wouldn't talk to me, but that's, you know, it's understandable. It's just, it's his kind of his nature and, and he, Maybe he didn't want to say the wrong thing because, you know, Chris, Chris has said the wrong things before in interviews uh, a lot more than once. Chris has said the, the wrong thing. So uh, maybe it was good that he just took a minute and uh, and didn't say the wrong thing. So so, you know, not not putting any blame or anything on Chris for that, because he probably needed some time to collect himself. I just wish that I'd been able to speak with him and gotten a reason for for why he was mad. Yeah, I would have liked that too. You know, just yeah. Did, did he think you like you said maybe it was? I'm I'm surprised really that they were even going double file restarts at that point, right? I mean, that was clearly rubbered up, and did, absolutely. And Madden was on the bottom on the restart in the second row. Did he think that? I mean, and clearly Overton's going to want to get to the bottom because he doesn't want to lose any more spots. So. Did he, did Madden think that Overton was already crowded him? You know, it didn't appear that way. Like from that, from the video, it didn't look like there was any, any crowding going on, but again, we're not like in the race cars and can see exactly if any little games are going on, but uh, you got to think that he was wanting to get down to the bottom, uh, plotting how he could get down there. Um, And then did they, did something happen that it didn't look like they touched to have a flat tire on, on Madden's car. And it looked like he just, you know, push because he had a flat tire and 
and then it just you know went crazy from there but yeah it's just i'm glad we got that bit there's there's ought to be other video out there of it too because like when that logan was like right right derek i mean he's up there recording what's going on from one angle and i see people on the other side with uh with cameras up too and robert probably saw several other ones also with cameras so you know somewhere there's there's other angles of this maybe we, it's like there's you know we could go all kinds of different ways maybe and check this out from all the different angles and maybe somebody has better better audio because they were closer to to those two and we could really break this down and what was said and uh you get a little transcript of uh <laughs> of these guys going at it and i, I like that some of the video was i like this the regular video like outside of the racetrack i thought was there was some kind of it, it, i, I kind of kicked out a lot some of those too like when the gathering up there. i saw at the beginning of it there was a girl with a blanket on a younger looked like a young girl and she had a checkered flag it almost looked to me that she was going to go over and try to get an autograph from madden or so i don't know i mean it like she i don't know who she was i don't know if she was with one of the teams but she looked like she was ready to get it. I was almost like, hey, well, can you? I'm like, whoa, that's probably not the best time. And somebody did kind of move her over to the side. And, and I, I even saw uh, Chris Madden's uh, T-shirt guy, Gary Marasco. You know, he's the one. He likes to do Bloomquist T-shirts. And now he, this year he's doing uh, uh, Madden's. I mean, he was, on, he was on the scene, too. I mean, he was. So I want to bust his balls a little bit when I see him next time because he was look, looked like he was trying to be a little bit of the peacemaker in there, too. And he looked very serious. And. I saw some people on social media and saying, you go, Gary, you get in there and you, you stop them, you know? <laughs> so uh, there's always, there's always little, little different things to see in a situation like that when we get good video. Yeah, it was, uh, I think a committee has taken over all the evidence and stuff like that. And maybe yeah, they'll come right. out with a report later on, uh, later on this year. It'll be very interesting to see though, guys, uh, how those two will uh, play out the rest of the season Guarantee you probably the next race are battling out first and second, just kind of how these things go. Um, shout out to Chris Ferguson, though. He got the big $20,000 payday, which is kind of a good uh, five-figure uh, paycheck for Fergie, like his car, too, uh, a little bit different than we've seen in years past. Uh, other news this past week was, uh, Kovac, you broke it on uh, Dirt Wire, was Randall Edwards leaving Best Motorsports after, I think, what, eight or nine years to go to Garrett Smith. Uh, kind of a shocking little uh, development that happened in the middle of the week last week. Uh, Texan Turbo, he says it is what it is. We'll move on. That's all he got from him. Uh, what did Randall say? Just really quick, Kovac, uh, just in case people missed the race wire or the dirt oh, wire. Yeah, excuse it's, me. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, one of the main things is like it's. I thought you know maybe it was because Garrett Smith came you know and his father Scott came to you know offered something to to uh randall and he decided to leave after that but uh, according to both of them uh according to uh and randall he randall was already thinking of this he was already he was sitting down with tyler uh and uh the best performance motorsports owner eric brock be, right after speed weeks and w was going to be leaving he thought he might even not e he thought he might even walk away from racing uh full time uh because he just was uh, he, he's mentioned that there it's very it's crew guys these big this big schedule one thing it's what's one thing for the drivers and you know the drivers i think they would you know they probably would run a lot more if they could because especially if they're racing for a living yeah they have to race to to make more money and but the crew guys it's he said like brandall said it's getting to the point where you could get burnout and he's 48 he said he's been 
he's been doing this his entire life. He's been his entire adult life. Uh, he's worked full time in racing ever since he was 17 years old. He said when he, uh, uh, he started working with people down there in, uh, you know, in Louisiana, his native Louisiana. He worked with the GVS team, Billy Moyer, Rick Auckland, and Daryl Lanigan. I mean, he, he's been around for a long time, and he's really gotten worn out. He's, it's been grueling the last few years, and he was thinking of backing off. And, uh, he, and Tyler, he, Tyler Herb, he needs to race. He wants to race. He wants to run those over well 100 races a year. Garrett Smith has more said that he just wants to run Lucas Oil Series and the, uh, you know, some of the Eldora races, maybe Fairbury, just a few of the crown jewels, not 100 races. And if he gets it down to 60 or 70, that's a lot less, you know, that's a significant amount less for, for Randall to run. And, and that's kind of what he was looking at. So that kept him in the game uh, because Garrett needed a crew chief after Cody Mallory, uh, splitting up with Cody Mallory after speed weeks or during speed weeks. Uh, and, and he's a talented kid, and, and uh, I think uh, I think Randall's a good guy. He's a very experienced guy. He's a guy that could bring him along. Yeah, just after last season, wins the Dirt Track World Championship. You have high expectations. You got Cody Mallory wrenching on him. You got Bloomquist at Speed Weeks, and that kind of you know obviously folded. Uh, I don't think Garrett Smith, if you even talked to him, he probably expected – you know, better results at Speed Week. So let's see if Rock and Randall uh, can get the job done. Uh, Kyle, kind of like a topic here, we're going to nominate some crew chiefs and maybe make a Mount Rushmore. We're each going to nominate one guy, and that can be our little quick topic today. So I know you haven't been in the late model world for a while there, but I feel like you've been at this job for almost a year now. I saw that your anniversary is coming up. Uh, for being here 365 days, which congrats to you. will be here before you know it. Uh, what crew guy, crew chief, I guess you should say, would you nominate to be in the Mount Rushmore? I'm sure you've heard us talk stories. Maybe you've seen something out of the ordinary that you thought, hey, this guy's going to do a good job. I'm going to nominate him. Yeah, I've always, um, you know, I've, I have I guess if there's one guy that I've really talked with the most, um, just because his cars, you know, they went on, went on, a lot of races and uh you know his his longhorn chassis camp is uh you know really uh racking up the checkered flags this year it'll probably be kevin rumley for me personally and i'm sure that if i had you know more conversations and just uh you know more um history to to uh, delve into personally, maybe I would go in another direction, but I mean, I don't think anybody can, can fault Kevin Rumley. Right. I mean, with, um, just, um, all the drivers that, you know, he's worked with and, and I feel like, um, every driver that has worked with Kevin has gotten better at some point over the course of their career. Now you can make the case of, well, you know, he's worked with Jonathan Davenport and, you know, Kyle Larson and, um, you know, Tim McCready and, and, and you can go down the list and say, well, you know, they, they could be just as good if, yeah, just as good without Kevin, you could say no disrespect to Kevin just because of their talent. Right. But, you know, Kevin's had a, a, a large hand in, in getting Jonathan Davenport to where he is now. Right. And, and, uh, he has a large hand into where Longhorn chassis is now. Right. Even though Longhorns had that, you know, long history and it's more than just Kevin. I, I look at, um, you know, just, just what, uh, you know, the, the track records of who he works with and, and, uh, you know, have, you know, these drivers have 
they've gotten better. They've, um, you know, they're at the top of their their game right now. I mean, Jonathan Davenport and, and, and Tim McCready and, you know, Kyle Larson, you know, his talent aside, just hopping in a dirt late model and, you know, winning his second race ever, you know, at Port Royal, you know, back in 2020, you know, I mean, that speaks measures too, right? And and so, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's just one guy. Uh, he's the first name that, that comes to mind for me when it comes to, um, you know, this – this topic and um and so yeah and uh i mean he's 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 uh you know i had some conversations with him back at speed weeks and uh and uh after the all tech race and he he seemed you know more excited than ever for just where his longhorn chassis or just where longhorn chassis is headed right now and uh he said that there's some exciting things in the works whatever that means i'm not sure but um they continue to build and and, and guys like chris ferguson right who uh team zero race car um or, or just his his devotion to team zero race cars right to uh get a longhorn chassis and to uh, hop on on uh what they're doing along with Bobby Pierce and, um, you know, Brandon Shepard too. I mean, it, it, it seems like every other name uh, in our top 25 poll has a Longhorn now in their stable. So, you know, I look at those things too. So I'd have to go with Kevin Rumley. Great pick. Uh, he's pretty much the jack of all trades, engineer, crew chief, car owner. Uh, he's obviously came on the scene here the last, you know, seven or eight years. He's uh, definitely would be, an up-and-comer recently. Robert, how about you, buddy? Looks like you're frozen or getting sleepy over there. I know you had a big day at no, Cherokee and get the stories I'm, and everything. I'm, I'm just waiting, awaiting my turn. Uh, no, I uh, I would go back a ways probably. I mean, there's some great there's some great guys out there, and we're going to leave some guys off. And uh, so maybe – uh after maybe we can do an picks, honorable we can, mention we can do an honorable yeah we can roll through an honorable mention after everybody picks one right quick you know a quick honorable mention uh after everybody picks one but my my candidate uh hands down is randall chupp um I, i'm gonna you know he's still in the consulting business uh he's still making cars go fast he's not an actual crew chief uh for anyone at the moment but he was a crew chief for Hall of Famers Jack Boggs and Ronnie Johnson. Uh, then he went on to drive race cars and was a very successful driver as well. Probably if he had started younger, um, he would have maybe had some crown jewel wins of his own. He was really good at uh, – he won a couple national 100s, I think. Randall Chupp is excellent. Um, I talked with him last year at North Georgia – and he was talking about shit that I didn't even understand and asking me questions that, that I know that if he was helping me, it would make us better. It would make me better. It'd make my brother better. Uh, he's just a very smart guy. And, you know, he left, uh, the sport, not, not the sport, but he left dirt late model racing for a while and was a, a NASCAR car chief for a very long time. So, so he knows his stuff still he understands the mechanics of everything he's been behind the wheel he's won 
um, the Dirt Track World Championship a couple of times as a crew chief. Like I said, he's helped Hall of Famers, uh, Ronnie Johnson. He was crew chief for Ronnie Johnson and a crew chief for Jack Boggs. And, you know, his father, the late Gene Chup, uh, was a very successful racer in, in Alabama and that southern region when the Southern All-Stars were really uh, getting started. He was he was with them as well. So great lineage, great brain, uh, great guy, too. He's a great guy. I've uh, I asked I've asked him a lot of questions about safety back when we were, you know, that was an issue for us. Uh, I can text him at any time and he'll answer my questions. I can shoot him a message on Facebook. And he answers my questions. Uh, he's a hell of a guy, and uh, he's at the top of my list. If I were to to have the money to just lay down hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, I should say, and go get me a crew chief, he's at the top of my list. Great pick. Uh, yeah, he had his he's had a consulting business, like you said. Won some big races. I think if you're a driver for a little bit and then you go into the crew chief business, I think you would have some success. So I like that one, Robert. We'll get to some honorable mentions later because I'm with you. There's a whole, well, uh, hey, you whole know, bunch of them. It's it, it's odd with Randall. He was a crew chief for many years before he became a driver. He right. became a driver at a, at a late age. And so that's why I think if he had become a driver, I think he was a better driver because he was a crew chief first. But I think if he was a driver for for longer, if he became a driver sooner, he probably would have won a bunch of big races. Yeah, I think one of his like big time dirt on dirt moments towards like the end of his racing career is when he started dead last at Golden Isles and won the finale all the way from last and ended up winning the race. I, we have a nice interview from that. Kovac, how about you, buddy? Don't take my pick. I'll kill you. I'll well, go Chris Madden you. on you. I don't know if this is your pick or not, but I mean, there's a guy named Hoghead, Robbie Allen. That's not your pick, is it? I mean, if, you know, Greg Satterley's crew chief for the last 10 years or so. And uh, before that, I mean, there, this is a, a crew chief guy that he's a lot like Randall Edwards, a little bit older than Randall, a few years, but um, he's, he's been in racing. He's been in it his entire life. I mean, he, he, his father, uh, Bobby Allen was a big car owner in the Maryland area there with a lot of, you know, Gary Stuhl was one of the guys who drove his race cars and, and a bunch of others, you know, I mean, just a lot of good names that a young teenage Robbie Allen worked with uh, as he was just, you know, learning the sport. So he got to really uh, see everything in and, in, you know, and get a lot of knowledge from a lot of great race car drivers. Larry Moore was one. I know that I remember, I remember re reading the Larry Moore's book and he mentioned about Robbie Allen, how he said he knew this kid was going to be good, a good crew chief because he knew his stuff. And, and, and uh, Robbie went on to have a, some great years, a great long run with a uh, Rick Eckert national titles and, and, you know, dream win at Eldora. And he, and also he won, uh, Robbie won a dream with Steve Casebolt when uh, he was working at Eldora, when he was working with, uh, uh, for Dale Beitler's team, you know, just a guy that's really been around the block and he knows everything that you need to know about race cars. And, uh, and I wouldn't have, wouldn't hesitate at all to have him, uh, you know, working on my stuff, my crew chief, as my crew chief. I don't know if he wants to travel all over the country anymore. He doesn't like to do that. He likes his deal that he has with Greg Siley, keeps the cars at his, his shop in Hagerstown, Maryland. And, uh, and just pretty much Eldora is about as far as they go now. They don't even go to speed weeks the last few years. So 
Uh, I think he likes that kind of a little bit less, uh, you know, strenuous schedule, but you know, Satterley is the guy that can win any race when, uh, when the big guys come to town now. And, and uh, a lot of that's because of, uh, because of Robbie Allen. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he keeps all the stuff at his shop too. It's like 90 minutes, two hours away from where Greg Satterley resides. Right. Yeah. So, right uh, in Hagerstown there. Yeah. So, oh uh, yeah. Hoghead. Great one. Uh, he's been around a long time and always throw back Thursday videos. You forget that he helped this driver out and you see him with another driver. So he's been around a long time. I mean, I'm going to go with the legend, the boat, the greatest of all time, Steve Norris. I mean, He's been with Billy Moyer since 1982. That is uh, 41 years, which is absolutely wild. Uh, he's been at Billy Moyer's every big-time win, uh, six World 100s, eight Magnolia State 100s, uh, you know, Summer National Championships, five Prairie Dirt Classics, go for 50s, USA Nationals. Um, obviously, Billy Moyer is a great driver. I think maybe he could have any crew chief just because he was so good in his A-Day. But to be a guy that, with the same team for that long, that's just uh, bonkers to me, especially nowadays where, you know, crew guys and crew chiefs are, you know, constantly switching, trying to, you know, find out a better deal and a better pay cut, I'm sure. But I don't know. His shorts are awesome. He has those purple cut-off shorts, uh, jean shorts. He never wears pants. It could be 40 degrees. It could be negative 10. He's still going to be wearing shorts. I think the only time he doesn't wear shorts is that PRI show go back. Maybe he has to get dressed up there, but I think those jorts, they should be in what a pair in the of them should be in the Hall of Fame, right? Should have a little display there of uh of uh Stevie Norris's jorts. And then Robert, you've been around Stevie Norris for a long time too. So that's that's a good pick. He's kind of one of the characters in Dirt Late Model history, and I think he is in the Hall of Fame. He got announced in, you know, twenty fourteen or fifteen, I believe. He's very protective of his driver too, you know. Uh, which is which is always a good quality for a crew chief. You know, if you come up looking for Moyer, you know, he's always kind of like got an eye on you, like, what do you want? You know, so that's that's a good quality as well. And also, I think he might be in the witness protection program sometimes because every time during <laughs> summer summer national minutes, I'd have the camera and he'd like, don't be filming me, don't be filming me. And then I interviewed him a couple of times, but he was kind of, uh, you had to like ask him a few times and say it won't be that bad. So, uh, yeah, Stevie Norris, uh not related to the announcer, Mike Norris. We had a run-in with uh, Josh King at the PRI uh, trade show at uh, Howl at the Moon. Um, I think he, uh, I said, hey, can you buy me and Norris a drink to Josh King? And he said, yeah, sure. Well, then afterwards, Mike Norris went up to Josh King, and the promoter and owner of Florence. He said, hey, Josh, uh, Mike Norris here. Thank you for that drink. And he said, Mike Norris? I thought I was giving a drink to Stevie Norris. I didn't mean to buy you one, so that was uh, that was an all-time classic story as well. Uh, Robert, any uh, honorable mentions we can throw out there? I know I was gonna, you know, think of Chris Francis, Steve Francis's brother, who uh, you know passed away uh, right after the World 100 win, which I know that means very, very much to Steve Francis. He's one of the probably legendary guys in our sport, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, and to win the World 100 definitely helped out his resume as well. Yeah, yeah. When you talk about crew chiefs and you talk about brothers, uh, of course you have uh, Jimmy Mars's brother. But uh, I, I would, I would say Dale McDowell, uh, his brother Shane McDowell. He's definitely, you know, right up there. Uh, maybe deserves to be in that top five as well. You know, uh, he's been there 
every step of the way with Dale. Uh, gave up his own driving career in the late 90s to help his brother. And he's uh, uh, obviously him and his wife own that team now. And he's uh, very a key integral. He's an integral part there for, for Dale McDowell's success late in his later in this, this career as Dale has gotten older. Shane has been uh, a very, very key part of that. So definitely Shane McDowell. Uh, and then, and I can throw out, I mean, everybody can probably throw out another one too, but uh, I'd mentioned Kirk Loudy uh, up there in, in East Tennessee who moved to Iowa. He does envy suspension, uh, moved to Iowa, and he's he helped a lot of guys uh, in his younger days. He does uh, just shocks and stuff now, but uh, he was a good one back in the day too. Kovac, you got any uh, honorable mention you want to mention? You got like some of the guys of today, really. I mean, how about Jason Durham? Uh, he's just was a crew chief for the richest season in dirt late model history for Jonathan Davenport. Man, like the money that they won uh, together with uh, uh, Lance Landers' team for the last few years was pr pretty pretty impressive. Uh, and now he's obviously he's with Stormy Scott, and we'll see like how uh, how he can bring Stormy along uh, as a crew chief. Anthony Burroughs is another guy. I mean, a, a former driver. Uh, he's really uh, meshing well, it seems like, with Ricky Thornton Jr. He's settled in nicely, it seems, as a, as a crew chief now. I mean, a lot of the guys, they want you want to be a race car driver. I mean, I'm sure that Anthony would love to be racing full-time still, uh, but the opportunities aren't always there, and sometimes it's good. You want to stay involved in racing and work full-time, be a crew chief, and, and Anthony's really taking that role on really well. Uh, he's become a you know a really one of the top crew chiefs out there, and, and he's and he's Ricky Thornton. They, they could be a they could be a, a national champion this year, uh, the way they started out the year. But that's just too off the you know current guys that right off the top of my head that I would that I would think of. And even even if I go one more further uh, of the young guy, how about that Talon Center now with Rust, Ryan Gustin? Uh, you know he doesn't have the years as some of these other ones we're talking about in, in the game. Uh, he's, he's fairly new as is, is uh, and he's really this year. Now he's working as a, I mean, he's, he told Ryan, I, let me work on the race car. He's seems like a very, he's got that eccentric mind that I think is really uh, going to be, be good for, for Augustin to, to make him a better driver this year. And God, he already won a race during the winter nationals at East Bay. Uh, first time ever for him down at East Bay. So I think that, uh, you know, Talon Center's a guy to, keep an eye on i mean he wants to build race cars and chassis in the future but uh he could become you know a, a great crew chief in these you know in, in this this year and, and in the future yeah we got some uh, bright young kids uh i guess they're not kids younger people in the sport trying to make their names to get into like maybe steve norris's level i don't think anybody will ever get that accomplished uh that many wins over 800 for sure for him and plenty of uh, crown jewels as well. Well, we finished the show with one more thing. Kyle, we'll let you uh, kick it off. What do you got for us? Yeah, I was just, just going to give a shout out to Dylan Stake, opening day winner at Port Royal Speedway in Pennsylvania on Sunday. Uh, first ever super late model victory for him. Uh, he's got a strong track record in the steel block division and, and around Pennsylvania, and he topped uh, Ross Robinson and Rick Eckert, you know, to to pick up that $4,000 victory. So uh, it was a solid field of about 30 cars or so. I think it was 29 cars. Uh, so that's a big win for him. And uh, 
featured him last year in our weekly notebook and one of one of the weekly notebooks. So um, he's trying to uh, make that step up from that steel block division to uh, win more races uh, now in the super. So just uh, giving a shout out there to Dylan Stake. Big time win for him and a track that always has great competition for the weekly shows there at Port Royal as they kicked off their uh, new season. Um, I even tweeted last week how much that track has changed in the last, you know, like 10 years, just doing some throwback Thursdays. They just keep making that place better and better. Kovac, what do you have, buddy? Uh, how about a winner this weekend? Will Harrington got a got a ten thousand dollar ten thousand fifty three. Oh, am I? Well, how am I supposed to know that you're going to be picking this stuff? You know, I'm, I'm maybe you think I'm the you're same fine. wavelength here. But uh, <laughs> Will fine. Harrington deserves a deserves a little uh, praise there for that one. I mean, he survived obviously. I mean, Sonoa was one heck of a rough racetrack. I mean, that thing, Robert saw it firsthand. I mean, cars bouncing all over the place, and it just seemed like it got. Uh, you know, uh, rougher and rougher as the race, as the night went on, a lot of rain there. And I mean, that's usually, that's not the, 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 the Sonoa we usually see. I mean, that's, uh, usually as a smooth and, and slick racetrack, but man, it really, it really uh, roughed up and was muddy and wet. Uh, and, and, but we'll hear a lot of, got half the most half, half the field didn't race after time trials, uh, Harrington stayed out there, did race and, and, and congratulations to him. I mean, that like he, he really picked his name up a lot in, in the name recognition category when he won, uh, when he almost won the indoor race, the the dome back in December, led most of that race and uh, until he had problems right at the end. So uh, I think a lot of people knew him when, when he, uh, he took that win at, at, on Saturday in the spring nationals. And you know, he's not going to run the Luke Soul series. They talked about it a little bit. They're not going to be doing that. But uh, I, he's going to he, – he'll, he'll be a contender this year at a lot of races that he goes to. We'll be seeing more of Will Harrington. Did you hear his quote after he said, uh, we'll be drinking plenty of Bush Light beer, so come on over after he got the big win? That, was, uh, that made me chuckle. He's always a character, and he loves his Bush Lattes. I'm going to feed off that, Kovac, with my one more thing because it was going to kind of be a two-parter for me. Uh, kudos to, like – the track staff at Sonoya, they came out with a post on Twitter and social media saying, hey, we weren't expecting to have these conditions all week. We obviously wanted to get the races in. I know that it was a double-edged sword. Do we cancel? And they like said, hey, it was our fault. So I'm going to give them a shout-out. Like Kudos to them for saying it was their fault because I'm sure it was a very, very tough situation to come out and say, hey, we messed up. Um, please come back and support us. Uh, so I will go to bat for – you know, a track like that will come out and say, hey, it was our fault. We messed up. We own our mistakes. We will improve on it, and we will try to make sure that doesn't happen again. Also, thank, you know, the fans and the drivers that end up staying and racing. They didn't point any blames for the other drivers wanting to leave. They fully understand that. So that is my one more thing, just giving a shout-out to Sonoya to uh, owning their mistakes in a time in the, the world and how we're just doing things on social media. People don't own their mistakes. They always like to point fingers, especially nowadays with social media and stuff like that. So that was be my one more thing is uh, just kudos to the Sonoya uh, racetrack. Just Sonoy, Sonoya. I don't know if I'm not saying it right. Who knows? But that is my one more thing. I just want to give them a you know a shout out saying, hey, better times will come. They fought through it. They owned up to their mistakes. So we'll see them next time. And I'm sure they'll have a great race. Robert, finish this off. I love it when you're uh, the cleanup man. Well, first of all, let me say this about uh, Sonoya, Sonoya, as I say it. Uh, 
anyone who is on social media bashing them needs to just delete their freaking social media accounts because you can't you can't come you've got to give a track a pass every once in a while but when a track this is the same track the same staff that went out and tried to cover their entire freaking track when they had that big race back in the fall knowing that that weather was coming so you can't fault somebody do we did we forget that did all you i want to be brandon overton right now just rail curse words uh did they forget that this is the same facility that did that back in the fall and now we're just like throwing them you know under the bus it's crazy anyway you got my blood pressure going there with that stuff uh my one more thing i will be at 411 this weekend uh weather permitting uh for the uh for the spring nationals race uh and this is another track that usually provides good racing uh hopefully the weather's good and we we get that but on the other side of the state closer to me actually this is the weekend that one of the most unique trophies in all of dirt late model gets handed out the toilet bowl the tuckasee your track robert let's go i'm not saying it's my track but it is closer to me than 411 but Clarksville Speedway will be handing out toilets like crazy this weekend as they host their their annual toilet bowl, bowl race. It's, I don't know what – there's a, been a bunch of guys from up in your state that have won that race. I don't know what in the hell they do with that toilet. I've heard that some people have actually installed Shirley, it in their shops and used Shirley it. Shirley installed his. Shirley's in his shop yeah. installed his. Ryan Unsicker just so has it very, in his shop. But, yeah, Ryan Shirley used his uh, – used his idea and he's like i'm gonna go i'm just gonna put this in it's a nice toilet save me some money i like i actually like that because where else you're not gonna put it on a shelf right but anyway this weekend toilet bowl classic there at uh two nights there at uh, clarksville speedway uh if you uh win that race you need a big truck to haul your trophy home in the toilet bowl one of my favorite March races uh, that we've ever seen. It's great. William Scoggin and Gain, they're going to be uh, get that place dialed in and somebody's going to win a toilet. Can't beat that. Well, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening on our podcast. This is the Dirt Reporters. Be sure to check out all three of these guys' stories, blogs, live updates, Dirt Wires. They do a great job every single week. I love their race wires. I love their notes they get over the weekend. We'll have full coverage on Dirt on Dirt with highlights and recap. We'll have live races as well. Keep your browsers locked in at DirtOnDirt.com and Flow Racing. This is the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching.